Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello and welcome, everyone. You have tuned in to episode number 437 of Linux in the Hamshack. This is our 81st edition of The Weekender. The Weekender is where we talk about things coming up in the next couple of weeks in amateur radio and open source, special events, conferences, all kinds of fun things to do, fun things to talk about, things to uh, keep you occupied while you're enjoying life, and then while you enjoy life, you can enjoy life even more as we talk about some hedonism, we get into music and food and alcohol and all the things that make life worth living. So let's jump right into it. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. So the way we normally start off our alcohol-fueled weekenders is with amateur radio contests, and Bill takes us through what's coming up over the next two-week period. CQ, CQ, CQ. Oh, there we go. Yeah, these, uh, of course, come from contestcalendar.com. And, you know, these next two weeks, well, let me tell you, we got two big contests going on here that pretty much occupy the band. So everybody else does not publish contests around this time. <laughs> so I'm only going to mention a couple here. So here we go. This weekend, we got the big one. We got the CQ Worldwide DX contest. This is so big, even the AWRL posts it on the top of their contest calendar for this month. <laughs> so uh, it starts at zero Zulu uh, October 30th and runs through 2359 Zulu October 31st. It is uh, 160 through 10, no work, no uh, 60 meters. It is the single sideband edition. That's right. You could break out your microphone. Uh, for those of you that have been on FT8, that's the thing that has the little squeezy button on the side, and you actually talk into it. Um, it's a great opportunity to get a DXCC on a weekend. Um, a lot of these stations, especially the bigger ones, will definitely uh, confirm you on uh, Logbook of the World and Club Log or any other thing that you need to verify that. I'm not even sure what's required anymore. Uh, Logbook of the World, of course, always works. Uh, but yeah, CQ Worldwide is the largest amateur radio competition in the world. It is over three or 35,000 participants take to the airwaves on the last weekend of October uh, for the single sideband edition. That's what we're working on right now. And November, we'll see the CW edition come back uh, with the goal of making as many contacts as possible as uh, with as many different DXCC entries and CQ zones as possible. And new for this year, we have the addition of the youth overlay. So we always like talking about the youths and the youths this time have their own special category. So uh, check that out. Uh, so if you haven't seen the rule book in a while, because you've probably been doing CQ Worldwide DX for a long time, <laughs> this is an opportunity uh, to take a look at some new changes. So they have the uh, Youth Overlay and the Explorer category. So check both of those out. 
And as such, since uh, the big contest is going on, especially on single sideband, guess what? There is no state CUSA parties this weekend or worked all CUSA party challenges. So, uh, yeah, the rest of the rest of the calendar is pretty, uh, pretty slim. Uh, so we have next weekend, we have uh, <clears throat> what I officially call the start of contest season, <laughs> which is the ARRL sweepstakes contest. Uh, this runs from 2100 Zulu November 6th to uh, 0300 Zulu November 8th. Bands there are 160 through 10 meters, no work or 60 meters. And this is the C-dubs uh, version of that. So this is uh, all dits and daws. Uh, but don't let that scare you away. It's a great opportunity to get on the bands and work some CW. Uh, and this, of course, is to support amateur self-training in radio communications, including improving amateur radio operating skills, conducting technical investigations, and intercommunicating with other amateurs. Stations in the United States and Canada, including territories and possessions, exchange information with as many other U.S. and Canadian stations as possible. On, of course, 160 through 10 meters. A clean sweep this year is 84 sections. Uh, we do have a link to the sections in the show notes, but of course you probably will check the rule book and that'll have all that in there as well. All stations may operate for no more than 24 of the 30 hours. <clears throat> Scores will be calculated from the contacts logged during the first 24 hours of operations. So basically everything else is not going to get counted. So take a break already. If you ran 24 hours straight, <laughs> you should probably take a break. Um, yeah, ARRL sweepstakes is a great contest. It does have the, uh, the long exchange, which is about the only thing I've ever heard anybody complain about. You do have a serial, a precedence, which is like your, you know, if I'm QRP or I'm a low power or high power station, uh, your call and your check, which will be your, uh, year two digit year of your uh, license or, some people do a two-digit year of their choosing. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So uh, you'll do like uh, my first call. My first contact would be one Quebec for QRP, of course, NE4RD, and then 94. So there you go. Um, so, yeah, check that out. It's always a fun contest. Of course, there will be a single sideband version of that coming around the corner. So um, it's, it's real easy for you to... You know, win your section if you especially try some categories that maybe have some low scores in the last year. So it might be worth some uh, investigation of the scores, which are all published over there on the ARRL website. I myself have several, <laughs> several, several certificates and plaques from uh, the sweepstakes. So if I can do it, you can do it too. Um, and I think my plaque is from the CW one, so that'll tell you something. Anyway, I, I wanted to mention, of course, the, there's no state QSA party challenges next week as well. Um, but I wanted to mention something that you can do in between these contests. And I know we have several people. We're just talking to Don today, uh, KB2YSI, uh, about his CW uh, fun stuff. And I know uh, he's been talking with uh, KB6 and you about it. And I just want to mention that there's these uh, CW ops tests or CWTs, and they're every Wednesday uh, night at uh, 1300 to 1400 Zulu and 1900 to 2200 Zulu, and every Thursday at 0300 to 0400 Zulu, and they also have a 0700 to 0800 Zulu on Thursdays as well. And this is like a sort of like a mini, you know, little one hour test or little mini contest that you can participate in. 
And these are all through CW Ops. And this is all on CW, of course. 160 through 10, no work, no 60 meters. And what is CW tests or CWTs? Are 60 minutes in duration are held on Wednesday and Thursday every week. So you can always participate in any week. And uh, we'll say as of July 1st this year, there are four events each week, which I just gave you that on the time. So you don't have to worry about that. Uh, everyone is welcome. <clears throat> you don't have to be a CW Ops member to join the fun. CWTs are a good opportunity to meet other CW fans who may be interested in CW Ops membership. Yes, it's a club and there's a, a way to get into it. Uh, six bands are used, 10, 15, 20, 40, 80, and 160. Suggested frequencies are from uh, 28 to 45 kilohertz from the band edges. However, this range should not be considered a limit when activity is such that participants find it necessary to spread further. That's that big VFO dial you got on the front of your radio. You can go ahead and spin it a little bit further to uh, make yourself some room. Uh, please be considerate of ongoing QSOs and mindful of ongoing or imminent de-expedition operations, WA1AW transmissions, etc. Please slow down when called at slower speed. We want everyone to feel welcome. Lots of cues or just a few. Please submit your results for each session at 3830scores.com. So check out CW Ops tests if you uh, are interested in some, you know, some CW Ops, uh, you know, some CW training and some contesting midweek and uh, might help you on your CW adventure into being code proficient. So there you go. That's all we got for contests and fun stuff for uh, for that. What do you got? Well, I've got some special event stations we can talk about. The first one is Ooh. one we mentioned last time because it's still upcoming as of the time of this recording. And that is remembering the Edmund Fitzgerald. That's operating October 29th through the 31st from 1500 through 231500 Zulu daily. Call sign on that is Whiskey Zero Juliet Hotel. Frequencies on are about 7.26, 14.26, and 28.38. Modes are phone and maybe others. You can never tell with these postings, but we're going to assume there's at least phone since they're in the phone portion of the bands. The Stillwater Amateur Radio Association, Sarah, will be operating to commemorate the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald using the club's call sign, Whiskey Zero Juliet Hotel, on single sideband at W0F on CW and FT8 and possibly PSK31. Probably should have read through and updated. So let me, uh... <laughs> so obviously it's CW Digital and Phone, right? Because they said so. The All modes. All modes, <laughs> yeah. Sarah members will operate from home stations this year due to the <clears throat> pandemic. Wait, didn't we already, already said that? That should have been taken out too. Man, this is this is terrible. But <laughs> obviously they, they may still be doing that, but they're also going to be operating on site. This year marks the forty-seventh anniversary of the ship's mysterious sinking and the eighteenth year of operating the special event. Certificate will be available by email only. You can confirm QSO at the email address, which will be in the show notes. And you can confirm QSOs via W0JH stations operating from the Amateur Radio Lighthouse Society USA 783 site and Parks on the Air site K-2524, which is in Grid Square, Echo November 47. So there you go. Next, we have the Spark. S-F-A-R-C S-F-A-R-C Angel Island ODA Trifecta, the on the air trifecta. Uh, this is operating November 6th from 1830 hours to 2115 hours Zulu. Uh, the call sign is Whiskey 6 Papa. Frequencies on are about 7.178, 7.202, 14.275, 14.328. Operating CWN phone. 
they are pleased to announce the upcoming special event in Angel Island on November 6, 2021. They'll be using a special event call sign Whiskey Six Papa and operates summits on the air, U.S. Islands on the air, or U.S. Iota, and National Parks on the air, Npoda, Npoda, at the same time. We will operate at low power running on batteries. They'll be sending QSL cards to every contact. The event will run during a three-hour window. Team will assemble at the Tiburon Ferry Terminal just before 10 a.m. Once at Angel Island, they plan to split into three teams. Soda will head for the top of Mount Livermore, which is at a whopping 780 feet, I think they said. Uh, they'll be on 20 and 40 meter single sideband, 20 and 40 meter CW. Team IOTA will head to the ridge sites and operate a 20 and 40 meter single sideband station. And Team Mpoda and Poda parks in the air we'll head to camping site 10 west of the island and set up a 20 meter and 40 meter single sideband station and more information will of course be in the show notes and next we have the 158th anniversary of lincoln's gettysburg address this will be operating for quite a while november 10th through the 20th from 1200 to 2330 zulu uh, call signs are whiskey oscar for lima and whiskey one golf Frequencies on are about 3.83, 7.185, 14.288, and 18.155. Modes will be CW, digital, and phone. And they're offering a beautiful full-color 11 by 14 certificate and or a QSL card. Please see the QRZ pages for those call signs for instructions and any previous certificates still available. Watch spotting nets to see where we are. And they also request that if you work them, that you spot them. And, of course, more information will be linked in the show notes. So there you go. That's what we've got for special event stations coming up in the next couple weeks. And, of course, there are lots more. Check the ARRL if you want to see what else is out there, because there's always special events going on. So that being said, we move on to announcements, and I have no announcements. There's no more Joe to Jody, so there's none of that. (laughs) Not until next year, anyway. Yeah, and I haven't done any new videos either. We, so, you've all been busy over the last week or two, so I can understand. Yeah, it's been it's been crazy. I did I did I did dive into uh, the code base of CQR log to uh, go over my, you know, my SQL to SQLite <laughs> thoughts, and uh, I came up saying, "Hmm, Pascal, ick." <laughs> 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 Fair enough. I've been I, uh, not sure I'm ready to commit to that. <laughs> I can understand completely. I've I've been dabbling in KDE Plasma. I've I've got a couple Ooh. of machines running. I've installed Kubuntu on, Ooh. not not as Kubuntu, but as Ubuntu, and then installing the desktop environment on top of it. Because, you installed the K in front of it. Yes, I, that's exactly right. <laughs> I did an apt install K. <laughs> mm, um, got that K goodness. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty cool. Did you get the wiggly windows yet? I have not set up any of that stuff yet, but I really do like (laughs) the KD Plasma look these days. It's it's been such a long time since I've used it, and I'm enjoying it quite a bit, actually. It's not bad. It's not bad. i kind of gotten used to GNOME over the last few years, and to have a KD desktop here myself with uh, the Garuda Linux KD Dragonized Edition, it has been a uh, kind of a frustrating beginning. But now I'm. I think I'm kind of used to it. So, <laughs> so I think I'm. Uh, I'm over my. You know, I hate KDE type thing. It's. It, it works. It's. Um, I think. I think Gnome is still a little bit cleaner, but I don't like the path that 
Gnome is going down with 41 and so on. So we'll see where that goes. I still have a Gnome machine upstairs. So Yeah, I used to feel like KDE was such a heavyweight desktop that it didn't really work out. But now that things have made computing power you know, more available and the fact that I think they've trimmed a lot of the fat out of it, but it still has a really nice look to it is making KDE much more attractive to me. So I'm going to be playing with that for a while. And I noticed that when setting up my open VPN client on KDE, that it was super easy to do. And it's, it's something that like the meta packages don't even install in GNOME. So <laughs> yeah, so I enjoyed that. Mm, interesting. So anyway, moving on, we have our Linux in the Hamshack ham radio challenge for this fortnight. And I put in here, try working some FT8 on 60 meters. Uh, I think I mentioned to Bill that I made several contacts on 60 meters. And he's like, well, 60 meters, I don't do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I thought I'd throw that in here. Uh, not every. Yeah, I don't think I can get my, my 60 meters to run channelized in on my rig inside of... Um, WSJTX because it doesn't like the memory channels. So I'm not sure I can work it. See, I don't do that. I just let FDD. I just let WSJTX set the frequency. Yeah, this rig doesn't let you do that. Um, yeah. Oh, you I have to know. channelize it with 60 meters? It's the Yeah, it's the way the rig firmware is set up, and I, I don't know if they've fixed that yet, but I don't know. Maybe somebody who's listening can write us a note and tell me I'm a moron. <laughs> And how to operate my uh, my FT450D on 60 meters in WSJTX without it uh, wigging out. Yeah, well, my, my Kenwood TS570 and my IC7100 both just allow me to set frequencies in the 60-meter band, and it works. So I guess yeah, that makes it easy you. for me. I, I'm really enjoying 60 meters because it's like it, it operates at the same times as 80 meters. You know, it's a nighttime band, but yeah. it's... Uh, it seems to have a little more interesting coverage than 80 meters, and it's 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 just really interesting. There's there's some interesting stations on 60 meters that you don't really see anywhere else. So, hmm. And it's uh, it tunes well in your antenna. It I'm it assuming. does. If you have an 80 meter antenna, any three to one tuner will will operate it just fine. So, hmm. Interesting. So yeah, I'm I've been enjoying 60 meter work quite a bit actually when I when I've been doing FT8 at night. So. Yeah, give that a try. See if it's interesting to you if you have a rig and an antenna set up that will allow you to actually operate on 60 meters. I, I didn't realize my 570 could even do 60 meters until I just tried it and it worked. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so Yeah, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> All right, so moving from amateur radio into open source, we'll talk about a distribution that you might want to try out. This is one we've mentioned before, but there's a new release of it, and Bill's going to go over it for us. Yeah, that's right. This is MX Linux. And yeah, we have talked about this many times. And this is a new version was out uh, MX 21 codename Wildflower. And yeah, a little history MX Linux began in a discussion uh, about future operations or sorry, future options. <laughs> I'm adding letters now among members of the uh, Mepis community. And I have absolutely no idea what that means. Uh, in December of 2013, uh, developers from Anti-X uh, then joined them, bringing the ISO build system as well as the live USB DVD technology. Again, this is in 2013, so remember that. Uh, the name MX was chosen to combine the first letter of Mepis with the last letter of Anti-X, thus symbolizing their collaboration. In order to be listed on DistroWatch, MX Linux was presented as a version of Anti-X and released its first version in March of 2014. It received its own DistroWatch page as a separate 
distribution with the release of the first public beta of MX-16 on November 2nd, 2016. And I may be wrong about this, but I think it's antics. <laughs> antics? Oh, I think so. I mean, again, with all of this know. stuff, it could be whatever it is. You know, you can call it whatever the hell you want, but... Yeah, um, I haven't heard of either of them. So <laughs> Antics and Memphis were both Linux distros back in the yeah long time ago. <laughs> okay, so yeah, before I probably cared about no, Debian based ones. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I was still probably doing Gen two back then. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So the things that are new in this build of MX twenty one, we are of course based on Debian eleven Bullseye based. So it's a uh, new, fresh, and uh, tasty. Uh, new and updated applications, new installer partition selection management area, including some LVM support if LVM volume exists already, and the ability to set existing data partitions to be mounted on install. Uh, new UEFI live system boot menus. UFI, UEFI live users can now select your live boot options, persistence, etc., from the boot menu and submenu rather than using the previous console menus. Uh, this comes fresh with either XFCE 4.16, Plasma 5.20, Flexbox 1.37 with MX Flexbox 3.0 configs. Uh, let's see, user password for sudo admin tasks by default. You can switch this in MX Tweak or other tab. Uh, MX Tour showing an overview of the desktop environment, blah, blah, blah. Translation updates, MX Comfort default theming. I have not looked at this, so I'm not going to comment on any of that. Uh, Mesa, Mesa Vulkan drivers are installed by default. So the, yeah, I guess you get uh, fancy 3D GPU acceleration. Um, uh, better Realtek Wi-Fi support. That's better than no Realtek Wi-Fi support, I guess. Uh, and a ton of customization and custom scripts in MX Flexbox. So I guess if you were interested in running your Flexbox build, that would be awesome. Uh, so in the MX distribution, you get the, the Linux 5.10 kernel. And if you want the advanced hardware support, which, of course, supports some of the newer newer configurations and hardware and newer processors and stuff like that, you'll need the uh, what they call the advanced hardware support or, or MX-AHS, AHS for advanced hardware support. And that one will have the Linux kernel 5.14. And that I believe they just released the beta for that just like within a few days. So that is that is out as 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 of right now. I don't think it's a final build, but they do have a test build out there for the advanced hardware support uh, version of that. So check both of those out. The link's in the show notes, and uh, I might check it out in a uh, future episode for uh, for an LHS readiness score. We'll see. All right, sounds good. I might have to do that on Kubuntu as well, since I haven't done a KDE distro in like an age. But <laughs> we'll, we'll see how, how much I like it by the next time we record. <laughs> All right, so that brings us down to open source events that are coming up in the next couple of weeks or perhaps a little bit longer out. Actually, I think all of these do fall into the next two weeks, so that's cool. They're coming up, and we bring Cheryl back online to talk about these open source events, so we'll do that now, and she can tell you what we got going over the next 14 days. All righty then. So our first one is the Linux Foundation Member Summit. It's November 2nd through the 4th. It's held in Napa, California, and it's free, but by invite only. And the information for that is the Linux Foundation Member Summit, formerly Open Source Leadership Summit, is the annual gathering for Linux Foundation member organizations. The event fosters collaboration, innovation, and partnerships among the leading projects and organizations working to drive digital transformation with open source technologies. 
It's a must attend for business and technical leaders looking to advance open source strategy, implementation, and investment in their organizations and learn how to collaboratively manage the largest shared technology investment of our time. I'm sorry, you're going to have to go back and screw something up. You read that solid. Do what? You you read it perfect. You're going to have to go back and screw something up. I mean, I'm. Yeah, give me give me a chance. I'll screw up another one. Okay. Okay. You, you even said collaboratively, like perfectly, without even a, a hint of a problem. So it's you, because I've read this like three times. Well, you haven't obviously been drinking enough too. So well, because she she is prepping. Huh? My yeah. bar my bartender failed me. Uh oh. Uh, no, your bartender brought you all of the tools necessary to make a cocktail. You just chose not to. No, 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 no. I made a cocktail. I asked for a specific cocktail. Well, that's, <laughs> you're not getting that until after. Oh, I see. It's hard to review when I don't have it in front of me. Well, you can review it next time. Gotcha. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving right along, the next one is the Seattle GNU Linux Conference, otherwise known as Seagull. It is November 5th and 6th. It is virtual, but based out of Seattle. Uh, apparently, there's still not a cost posted. You know, I didn't I update this. I'll look. You did, yeah, okay. Russell's going to go check that one out. Anyway, the information is Seagull is a free, as in freedom and tea, grassroots technical summit dedicated to spreading awareness and knowledge about free libre and open source software hardware and culture Siegel strives to become welcome excuse me there i screwed up right there Siegel strives <laughs> to be welcoming enjoyable and informative for, for professional technologists newcomers and enthusiasts and all other users of free software regardless of their background knowledge providing a space to bridge these experiences and strengthen the free software movement through mentorship collaboration and community so do we have a price yet it's free free yeah it's free. no registration is required oh, yeah. gotcha so it's free free all righty then and our last one is the open source monitoring conference it is november 9th through the 11th it's based out of nuremberg germany no it's and... actually in nuremberg germany this oh, is sorry. A, this is a real yeah, one sorry <laughs> yeah, this is actually a real one oops sorry and the cost is 950 dollars us or no excuse me european uh 950 plus Euros. yeah euro yeah sorry um the information is since 2006 the annual meeting of leading techno uh leading international system engineers developers network engineers so you sabotage yeah, yeah i know yeah, just totally stammer now. through the rest yeah. of it <laughs> <laughs> network engineers it managers users and open source community members takes place every autumn in nuremberg germany Leading specialists will present the full scope of open source monitoring and be ready to answer your hardest questions. Learn new techniques, exchange knowledge, and discuss with top developers. The lecture program offers technical sessions, case studies, best practices, as well as new approaches, pioneering solutions, and future perspectives. Additionally, several in-depth workshops the day prior to the conference are featured. Participants will extend their skills and deepen their knowledge in IT monitoring and management. The last day of the conference is dedicated to a hackathon. Several groups of developers and users will collaborate on diverse projects, keep up with the latest developments and trends in open source monitoring, meet monitoring experts, learn about new features and techniques, and engage with the community to discuss and exchange views. And of course, there will be more information about all of these in the show notes. 
All right, very good. And I'm including the Linux in the Hamshack open source challenge from the last time we did a weekender because it actually generated a response, and I'm hoping to get more. But I said to send us an email or to give us a voicemail or somehow get in touch and let us know what new and interesting things you're doing with open hardware and software. We like to hear what kind of projects that our listeners are working on. Like I said, we did get one response, and we will talk about that during the feedback section of the the, uh, episode where we do feedback, which would be our deep dive. And uh, I would like to get a few more before that happens. So if you have something you want to contribute, please do. And we'll uh, mention it and talk about the projects that are going on in the world that we may or may not already know about. So that brings us down to the end of Amateur Radio and Open Source Topics. So now we get into the good stuff. We get into hedonism. And we always start that off with food because, as you know, humans got to eat. So we're going to bring Cheryl back in and tell us what we're going to be eating, well, at least sometime in the next two weeks, perhaps. Well, maybe. If you weren't such a, you know, soup snob, we wouldn't have to worry about this. But so anyway, <laughs> so today, you know, it's it's cold in Missouri. It's rainy. It's definitely a soupy type day uh, in more ways than one. But I decided to share with you my recipe for chicken enchilada soup, which I fell in love with this when we would eat at Chili's Barn Grill, I believe it is. Um and they make a wonderful chicken enchilada soup. So, moving right along, for this you need some chicken breasts, some kosher salt, some canola oil, a diced yellow onion, chili powder, cumin, uh, cloves of garlic, cloves, yes, cloves, uh, chicken broth, masa harina, um, or some ground up uh, corn tortillas, whichever way you wanna handle that, uh, water, enchilada sauce, cream cheese and some sharp cheddar cheese. And to decorate your soup once it's done, you need some aroma tomatoes, some diced yellow onion, jalapeno that's been de-seeded and minced, cilantro, kosher salt, ground black pepper, cotilla cheese crumbles, and some tortilla strips. And you can either do this in a Dutch oven on your stovetop, or you can throw it all in a slow cooker which that's always my plan with soup. Um, so I'll let you uh, read all about the uh, destructions in the show notes. And for my mixed drink corner, I chose the Matador, so we can stick along with the Mexican influence. And it uses lime juice, simple syrup, pineapple juice, Angostura bitters, silver tequila, ice, and a pretty little pineapple wedge for garnish if you want to do that. So, and again, instructions for that will also be in the show notes. So. Well, you know Bill likes tequila, so it's probably right up his alley. Tequila! <laughs> it makes your clothes fall off, right? It causes Cheryl to get really hateful and nasty with people. Sweet. Yeah, my, my clothes don't fall off. I just turn into a major witch. So... Yeah. Matador, huh? Yeah. Matador. Seems kind of complicated. I just throw my tequila in the glass and drink it. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I kept looking. I, I didn't realize how many Mexican cocktails involved grape, grapefruit juice. And because yeah. I take thyroid medication, I can't drink grapefruit juice. So I was like, come on, people. There's got to be something other than a margarita. And I finally stumbled across this. I was like, all right, well, that's kind of, sort of pseudo margarita thing so but it's a little different so yeah 
Yeah, probably with this with the pineapple juice. That's why it doesn't need so much uh, sweetener. Because I see the quarter ounce of simple syrup. That's not much at all. Yeah, right. No, it's, it's three, quarters three quarters of an ounce. Of an ounce but oh, is that three quarters? Yeah, yeah. I have to zoom it even further. There, here. Oh my god, I can't read it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Stop using those miniature fonts, Gee. Yeah, well. <laughs> <There we go. laughs> okay, so it's, it's still. I mean, that's still not a lot. I mean, some people just dollop that stuff in. Right. Like, it's going out of style. Well, right. if you have homemade simple syrup in the fridge, it'll rest. I was like, here's a, a perfect thing to use to use up some of that simple syrup. So, but because uh, yeah, we had a we had a very failed run with. Um, Absent. Uh, yeah, I, absent, I told Bill yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah not good. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not doing that one again. That's nope, twice nope, now. <laughs> we are definitely not doing that again. <laughs> All right. Well, very good. So mm. check those out. Of course, the recipes will be in the show notes if you uh, did not hear them and you don't necessarily want to go back and listen through the show to remember how to make the matador. Just go I did, to the website. Well, I, I didn't say how to make it. I just said what the ingredients were. Well, that's true. Uh, yeah, generally, so. when it comes to cocktails, it's mix them together. <laughs> well, yes, it is definitely a mix them together in this. So, the soup, not so much, but you know. yeah. So you fill the glass completely with tequila, then you sprinkle the rest of stuff on top. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or just throw just throw some in a partially empty bottle. Whatever you guys. Yeah. You throw all the other ingredients in another cup, and then you throw that over your shoulder while you chug down the uh, the tequila. <laughs> all right. So for my drink corner tonight, I have Rocktown Arkansas Bourbon Whiskey, and this literally is an Arkansas bourbon. It comes out of Little Rock, Arkansas. And they describe it as, our bourbon is distilled from Arkansas corn and wheat right here at the distillery in downtown Little Rock. We're proud that we keep things local. We age our bourbon here at the distillery in small, new charred oak barrels that were coopered right here in Arkansas, Gibbs Brothers Cooperage. That's right. We use Arkansas corn, Arkansas wheat. We distill the whiskey in Arkansas, age it in Arkansas, made barrels to be Arkansas's first ever bourbon whiskey. Our bourbon is milled, mashed, fermented, distilled, aged, bottled, and packaged at the distillery. We're makers, not bakers. Hey, that's that's their text. So I'm, um, you know, <laughs> it is Arkansas though, so it's probably depressing. Uh, it is a weeded bourbon though, so that's. <laughs> oh, okay. Now you, now you got me. The mash bill is eighty-two percent corn, nine percent nice, okay. Arkansas soft red winter wheat. Oh, How pretentious. <laughs> and nine percent malted barley so yes it is a, a slightly ever so slightly weeded bourbon <laughs> right just sprinkled wheat. with oh, wheat that's, that's that a lot so of reminds corn. me of the woody <laughs> Allen movie love and death are you familiar with that film the wheat wheat fields of rippling wheat oh uh, it, it Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I vaguely remember that proof yeah. on it. It's bottled at a nice ABV, forty-six percent or ninety-two proof. Is come out of Little Rock. It's a nice medium amber color. It looks good in the glass going down. The nose on it is actually quite good. The, no the nose is actually a little bit better than the taste on this, but they're both really good. And what's interesting is this is one of those ones where the nose and the taste are quite dissimilar. So on this one on the nose, I got creamed corn or sweetened corn, you know, corn that's got like milk or cream or sugar or something on it, uh, buttered bread. Of course, you get a little bit of that wheat. There's only a little wheat in it, but you definitely get some of the hints of that. A little lemon or just generalized citrus, some butterscotch and praline. So there's, there's a nutty quality in there too. It's nice. Uh, taste on it. 
quite different, actually. And I'm going to take a sip here just to make sure I don't leave anything out. Nope, pretty much the same. Taste on it is very chocolate forward. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed very it. Very chocolate forward. Uh, really nice <laughs> chocolatey, too. Sort of a sweet chocolate, like a chocolate fudge, really dense. I, I get like candied cherries, like maraschino cherry a little bit. Uh, some folks describe it as like red Twizzler or red licorice, that kind of thing. Uh, but to me, it's more of a more of a maraschino cherry, uh, orange zest, vanilla, and uh, definitely a little bit of the barrel flavor, some oak tannin in there. So it's it's quite nice. It's it's nice to kind of like sniff it and then sip it because that sort of blends together the the differences. So you get a little bit of all of it. And the the finish is nice. It's a it's a soft finish, but it is a little oily on the palate, which is sort of my favorite thing i like when it kind of coats everything and gives you a nice you know lingering essence uh it's not super long i would call it medium and the the things that sort of linger the longest are a vanilla flavor the oak tannin a little bit of what you might think of as a tea like a black tea and some licorice some black licorice actually or anise so the flavors are kind of all over the place um but they're all over the place in a rather pleasing way so I have to say that I enjoy this quite a bit. I have a feeling that their distribution is not super wide, but you know you could probably get it in the central U.S. states, and I'm sure it will branch out as time goes on. So if you can get your hands on this stuff, um, you probably could. They also they have a few other expressions, including a bottled and bond, which might actually be a little bit better than this, uh, a little higher alcohol to sort of kick up some of the flavors. But this one I actually find really good. I think the purchase price on it was roughly $50, $50.55, somewhere in there. So it's not super cheap and it's not super expensive, sort of right in the mid-range. And I think for the quality of it, I'd call, call it where you need it to be. And I'm going to go with a rating of 89. I think 89 is exactly where that needs to be. 89? I don't know if you think that's good or bad. Really? That... Hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I don't know. You, you praised it so much, and then you it's, were it's sub not 90. I was expecting like I have above to 90 score to all the other things I've rated. Same you know what I mean? And it's just it's just not quite yeah, 90. I guess so. It's almost, like yeah. I say, the bottled and bond. If the bottled and bond has these flavors but amped up slightly, that would definitely be a 90 or 91. So, right. Yeah, I could get to the next level. Interesting. So that's, you were, that's the Mashville they posted. You on the Mashville. No, not on the website. That's for the... Uh, cast strength is the Mashville you posted for the bottle you've got is what I just that's for the standard under your rating the 73% is the standard the 82% is the um, uh, cast no strength. it's just the same Mashville and I hate to tell you this but 73% 9 and 9 don't add up to 100 so <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I'm taking that from I, I took the it from the page Town that was listed as page. the bottle that I'm drinking and it was 82, 9, and 9. Mm. Okay. <laughs> yes, um, that's, that's where I was as well. .com. Yeah, funny I, because I'm looking if I'm you not, go to I'm not going there. I went to the actual online. bottle. If you go to our products, bourbons and other whiskeys, yep. and click bourbons on the very first whiskeys. one, the Arkansas bourbon, and, and if you look at the mash bill, it says 82, 9, and 9. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if you go... Confirmed. If, if you go to the buy <laughs> online page, it says cast strength is 82, 9, 9. I don't nine. have the red label. The one with the red label on it, which... Uh, no, okay, no, no, no. Okay, but it's a $75 you, bottle the bio, you Don't got. ignore the buy online. 
that that's not where you go for for the information go go to our products you see that right okay okay the second thing the second thing over says yes. bourbon and other whiskeys click on that there's a bunch of whiskey there it's the very yeah. first bottle the arkansas bourbon yeah yeah and the bottle and bond of course has the same mash bill and yeah see but it's it's a separate well, thing I, i'm ignoring the, that i'm going now. right to their product description page so, and i'm going to stick with 82 9 and 9 <laughs> somebody messed up for sure but Darn. yeah somebody screwed up somebody yeah. screwed up so yeah i don't know what's a 73 sounds like a fat finger because honestly it, it doesn't add up to 100 percent. so it's it's got to be wrong well no but but 83 doesn't add up to 100 either no, 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 no. I know that. But if they, well, they could easily have five finger both. I mean, <laughs> well, some somebody made a mistake right, that, somewhere. Yeah, that's but. true. So, yeah, the red red bottle is a sour mash too. So, so yeah. right. Oh, look, we have someone else in the chat room. I got to put them in the list. Anyway, I, I know. Like right, right. At the end. <sighs> Someone's awake. Oh my gosh. All right, oh Bill. Goodness. What do you got? Nice. Selected everything. Well, anyways, so uh, over to my corner. I'm uh, I'm doing a. Uh, gee, what is this? Oh, it's 1792 full proof. It's a uh, single barrel selection from the I don't know, state liquor store up here. So <laughs> it's uh, it's very very good, <laughs> as most 1792s are. So uh, I still have not found an expression. The, the only one that I've heard hate, anything so. bad about is uh, the Baldwin yeah. Bond. It, yeah. that's, that and that's I've had that. That's no, great. I'm just saying so the only Bill thing I've it. heard negative about yeah, tastes, from anyone was that one. Not not necessarily that it was bad, but <laughs> oh. Yeah, it tastes. Yeah, it I, tastes I the same the, as the others. I mean, obviously, just different. Uh, I like the small batch a lot for like a, just a normal sipper. That's pretty good. Um, the bottle and bond is really good. That's the one with the little yellow label, I believe. I reviewed it in three twenty four. The full proof is amazing. I, I must have given it something <laughs> really good. Wow, I only gave it an eighty two. Ooh, that seems that seems wrong. Wait, am I looking at the right thing? No. Oh. I think you need oh, to retry no, no. that. That's, that's the wrong, that's the wrong episode. That's, <laughs> redo, that's, redo. Yeah, that's Baker 7. Oh. Uh, where's? Oh, I don't okay. like Baker 7. Well, yeah, okay, that, and that's uh, 91. Yep, like 91's it, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. It is good stuff. Oh, what else did I get? Did I get anything else I was going to try? Hmm, no. Oh, well, the, uh, the local distillery has a... Uh, they were releasing... Which I think I'm going to go over and get. <laughs> yeah, the one that I gave you a bottle of. Oh, the the dry fly black. Uh, even though one? it's an MGD or whatever. Oh, the Thief Creek. Yeah, the no, one that I don't particularly like. The, yeah. <laughs> the Thief Creek. Yeah, it's okay. I've been well, using you it didn't like it the first time, but then you were like, "No, oh, it's okay. I can like." It. Oh, okay. Well, they have a. Uh, they're doing a. Uh, let's see, uh, a Shields River single malt batch number two. So this is a single malt um, whiskey, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Single malt whiskey. Uh, Ooh, yeah, kick you in the one hundred twenty-eight point <laughs> nine proof. Kick you in the teeth. Yeah, so, uh, so I'll probably pick up a bottle. Yeah, that a small, is a small, small run. That's like one barrel. Bottles available. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, yeah, literally a barrel. So um, I'm probably gonna sneak over there Wednesday as they open up and buy one. So we'll see. Yeah, cool. Do a review of it. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it's got to be better than the other one. <laughs> <laughs> At least you'll get really, you know, hit in the face with it. So, yeah. right, right. Yeah, as long as you drink it second, it's really, really good. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> well, that actually brings us down to the end of hedonism and therefore the end of the episode. But before we get out of here, we do want to remind you that you should always enjoy life, participate in some amateur radio, some open source, and some hedonism. You know, just just make life enjoyable. There's nothing else really that makes any sense other than just enjoying life as much as you possibly can. And we did have a couple of folks who showed up to hear us live, even though we recorded much later than we normally do on this particular episode. But we did have with us Ted, WA0EIR, and Steve, KA7HPT, who points out it's actually much earlier for him since he's in Arizona. However, Ted is in the central time zone, so it's pretty late for him. And he's an old guy. So thanks, Ted, for wow. being here. <laughs> Throw him under the bus. That's right. I didn't, I didn't say how old. I just said he was an old guy. So well, You're an old guy, too. Yeah, that's, you know. that's true. That's true. And I, I don't deny the fact that I'm an old guy. So. Anyway, let's go ahead and get on out of here. Thanks, everybody, for listening, for downloading, for participating in the show, and those who support us financially to help keep the lights on. We really appreciate it. That's what keeps us going. And the fact that people listen and contribute is what makes all of this worthwhile. This has been episode number 437, the 81st edition of The Weekender. I'm Ross, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. For listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community sponsored podcast. The show is recorded live every Thursday at 8 pm Central Time plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. (laughs) 